Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm Laura Gregg, and today, unfortunately, I am without my fabulous co-host, David Partain, but don't worry, he will be back on an episode very soon. Now, as many of our listeners know, I've been on the road quite a bit lately talking with advisors and firms about FlexShare's latest behavioral research on how to grow assets with your existing clients. And one of the things that we've learned is that many clients are just not transparent with you, their advisors. I was recently at a Mass Mutual event and met Chaz Logue, who is Regional Director of Advice and Planning with the firm. Chaz engaged me with some very unique ways that he thinks about the discovery process and how to gain more transparency from clients. Chaz has been in the industry for more than a decade in a variety of roles and left his role as an advisor to join MassMutual. He completed his Master of Science of Finance at Georgetown University and has many professional designations. Chaz is also multi-talented and beyond his financial services experience, he has attended acting school, completed student teaching, and studied mathematics. In addition to that, he is a racetrack driving instructor, a flight school instructor, and does volunteer work with venomous snakes. So Chaz, Welcome to the Flexible Advisor. I don't think we've had any one of your stature, stature with all of those extracurriculars. Yeah, it's a, kind of a weird background for sure. <laughs> so let's talk about that broad resume before we jump in. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your background and how you found your way into this regional planning director role at MassMutual and how you started working with venomous snakes. Yeah, so thanks for having me on the podcast today. Um, so I've always had a lot of different interests. I'll, I'll try to keep this pretty short. Um, I started flying when I was around 14. And as a kid, I've always thought that I'd be an airline or a corporate pilot. So I completed my commercial pilot's license when I was 18, uh, the summer before starting college. And then I got my certified flight instructor, or CFI license shortly after. Um, then I pursued a degree in aeronautical sciences, and I realized being an airline pilot is very different than flying for fun like I had been. So I wasn't sure that I really wanted to do that. And during this time, I was also racing and I was coaching drivers. So uh, a common denominator in my life was teaching. I decided to get a degree in secondary math education and become a teacher. Um, and after only one semester of that, I realized that classroom management was not for me, but I gained a tremendous amount of respect for teachers. Um, so I quit and I needed a job. And my plan at the time was to take a job at a call center at ING and kind of work my way into the actuarial department. So since I had a math degree and I was tutoring actuarial students while in college, but um, that job actually required me to get a series six license. So while I was studying for that, I found that it was all really interesting and more so to me than actuarial sciences. 
So I started looking into a financial career and um, I completed a, a master's degree and had a few various jobs in the industry before landing where I am now. Um, and what I think is great about my current role is I, I get to combine a lot of what I've learned from the rest of my life, right? So the finance, obviously, um, my acting through, so through the presentations I go around the country and give, um, education, right? Through the training and coaching of advisors and um, not really sure how the aviation fits into it yet, but maybe get back to me on that. Um, but regarding the wildlife volunteering and venomous snake volunteering i do i've always been obsessed with animals as a kid especially snakes thanks to steve Irwin. um so i would have all these like facts memorized about animals and snakes so when i moved to florida a couple of years ago i found the opportunity uh, to kind of put my passion to use so i help uh, with wildlife rescues and extracting venom from vipers cobras rattlesnakes whatever um, and then this venom gets processed to make anti-venom and many other popular medications. So I think a lot of people don't realize that some of the medications that they take is actually made primarily from the venom from specific species of snakes. So I can tell you that I never realized that. And yeah. what you're saying is that this venom actually helps people, mm -hmm. which is a perfect segue into what we'll be talking about today in terms of how you help your mass mutual colleagues help their clients. I'd really love to learn uh, more about mass mutual's approach to financial planning and how you're helping advisors create and deliver plans to their clients. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is what I've been going around talking about when when you and I met. But um, at Mass Mutual, we treat financial planning like a verb. Okay, so it's not about the document you give your clients. It's about creating and nurturing a financial planning relationship. So if I was still an advisor, I would tell clients that the planning process does create a plan, but that it's probably more valuable to the advisor than it is to the client, right? It allows the advisor to organize a client's data, see what's available to them, and stress test various scenarios to ultimately form the recommendations. But where the client finds the most value, I think is really in three ways, right? The first is gonna be regularly scheduled meetings where they check in on seasonal topics throughout the year. The second would be unscheduled proactive meetings. So this would be something like a market correction or a new tax law or whatever, but this would trigger the advisor to call their planning clients, explain what's happening, how it affects them and what they should do. And then finally, the third way is where an advisor is more reactive and almost on retainer uh, as a client calls them to ask questions or alert them to any changes or decisions coming up. So a big difference versus some other planners is that the relationship is ongoing. All right, A plan can help point someone in the right direction initially, but life changes too much to just go off of that. So like, imagine you had uh, a checkup with your doctor when you were age 25. And then you didn't get your next one until five or 10 years later, right? That's not ideal. Life and people just change too much. Most people see their physician, you know, every year for a checkup. And I think it should be the same with planning, right? A doctor is going to look at your vitals and a planner looks at various core topics. A doctor is going to ask you, you know, what's wrong? Do you have any concerns? A planner, same question. They ask that same question. Um, doctors will run blood tests, MRIs, and a planner will run, you know, Monte Carlo, excuse me, Monte Carlo scenarios or human life value calculations. Um, you know, doctors going to say eat more vegetables, and we're going to say you need the dollar cost average, right? So it's it's like 
it's really like seeing a professional for your finan- financial health checkup uh, throughout your relationship. So I, I absolutely love that. And isn't there the saying, you know, life happens when you're busy making plans mm-hmm. and yeah. the, the continuing to visit the plan is so important. Um, and I'm guessing, given the roots of Mass Mutual, that insurance and risk management plays a very meaningful role in every plan. But what other items are you coaching advisors to discuss with their clients and incorporate in the plan? Yeah, I mean, Mass Mutual is obviously great when it comes to insurance and other products, right? And that's the background. And I've always view these insurance and other products like chapters in someone's life, right? You have a chapter of life insurance, you have a chapter of investments, et cetera. But planning is that story, right? So how do these chapters fit together to tell the story of someone's financial life? How are they helping someone achieve the life that they want? That's where planning comes in. So as a planner, you look at everything in someone's life. The number one question we get from clients based on surveys is for tax management strategies. Right? The number two question we get is for health benefits. And traditionally, you may see an advisor shy away from these topics because they're not really compensated to answer them. But planning puts more of an emphasis on answering what's important to a client. Right? So you need to look at the whole story. So talking about compensation, how is the planning paid for? Is the financial plan included in the relationship or uh, do mass mutual advisors generally charge a flat fee for the service? So uh, at mass mutual planning is separate. Uh, So a planner charges an annual cost and this could be done monthly, quarterly, annually, you know, whatever. Uh, but the but these costs are separate from any you know assets under management or any you know life annuities, disability, long term care compensation that they might have. So while I don't know the profile of MML advisors, I'm guessing it's similar to the larger industry, primarily men in their 50s or older who may have operated as insurance agents for most of their career. And I'm guessing here, and I know you're going to correct me if I'm guessing wrong, Mm -hmm. but I'm guessing that your role is to help them think of their businesses maybe in a different light than they have in the past, adding fee-based investments, holistic planning. And, you know, I know the changing mindsets can be very difficult. So I'm just curious about what your experience has been in coaching these industry veterans and what are some of the learnings you've gained along the way? Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, I believe our industry is in the beginning of a big change where advisors are putting more emphasis on planning relationships and really less on the other stuff. And if you ask why, I think there's really two main reasons that this is happening. This is what I talk to advisors about. And the first I think is competition and AI, right? So a client can go get a portfolio put together for them for little cost. So a little extra potential alpha from an advisor is less valuable now than it was maybe in the past. So what is the value that they can offer? I think it's the ability of advisors to understand a client's situation and guide them and hold them accountable to do what's necessary to achieve the life that they want. The second reason as well is um, I think regulations, right? So proposed regulations are starting to scrutinize the fiduciary position of an advisor So it seems like they don't want an advisor giving advice without being held to a fiduciary standard, right? So Australia recently passed something called the FOFA, right? The Future of Financial Advice Act. 
and uh, you know to to uh, to accomplish that, to accomplish that fiduciary standard. And Europe has passed similar things as well. So fee based planning is much more common over there, if not the norm. And this is where we're starting right now. This is just starting to come over to the United States. But outside of why an advisor might have to make this change, I think we can also look at why should they want to make this change, right? So like I mentioned before, clients are asking for these types of services. So let's focus on creating that ideal life, not just filling you know, various singular needs. And this is the value that we add. This is what clients want. Yeah, that, that is so true. Um you know, you know, because you met me when I was presenting um, at Flexures, we've done some behavioral research on high net worth investors and how advisors can better gain trust, transparency, and consolidate assets with their clients. And we found that the transparency on held away assets is often very difficult to get. And in many cases, um, Clients will, you know, be less than forthright, sometimes actually lie about the assets that they have. And in our related advisor research that we conducted on the the same topic, our advisor participants told us that they knew how much share of wallet they had because their clients told them so. And they believe that what their clients told them was the truth and we we know that that's not the case. And really, we also know, right, that the only way to truly get the full picture is on the held away assets is if you have the opportunity to see a client's tax return. Yet just 4% of our advisor respondents repeated reported seeing their client's tax return. So that was a lot. <laughs> but given that, I'd love to learn how you coach advisors through the discovery process to break that barrier and to get more transparency on all of their assets? Yeah. So it's another great question. You know, I sat through your session. I remember remember hearing about that research. So um, I believe that a financial planning relationship involves a deeper trust than just your typical advisor relationship. And what I mean by that is that clients are often skeptical because they realize that there are conflicts of interest when it comes to how their advisors are compensated, right? If they believe that they have a singular need or an account that they need help with, then maybe that client feels like they're in a stronger position by not disclosing the rest of it. And I think about this when I, when I hired a realtor, um, when I, when I, so I fired my first realtor um, because he kept saying that my bids were too low and I'd insult the seller, et cetera. Um, and obviously I knew he had conflicts of interest. So I was skeptical on really anything he told me. So I finally fired him. And then the next one I hired, I said, look, don't give me any pricing advice or any of your comments. And he didn't. And I bought a property within a couple of weeks of hiring him um, after working with the last one for many months. Right. So with planning, I think clients understand that there is that interconnectivity with all financial aspects of their life. So if we approach this with a goals-focused lens, and we're separately compensated for giving the best advice, then the client is really only hurting themselves by hiding those important factors, right? Kind of garbage in equals garbage out. So back to my book analogy, right? We need to understand the story before we write those chapters. 
uh, I I love that, and I do think you know. I mean, we're we're in an industry where so many people, advisory firms, give that plan as part of their service model, which is great. But I do think it probably raises skepticism, as you uh, mentioned in your example of the realtor. So let's go in a different direction now. I was recently talking with an industry professional uh, that's been in the financial industry her entire career. So she's now in her early 60s and she knows that she should have put a plan together long ago, but she, she made the conscious decision not to. And when I asked her why, she said she just absolutely hates the idea of sharing everything all of her personal details, her bad spending decisions, and sometimes her poor investment decisions that she thinks she should have known better than to have gotten into those. And she's, you know, she's done a good job saving and managing her money, but she's just never wanted anybody to see the mistakes that she's made. So my question to you, Chaz, is I'm really curious how often you experience that mindset in the the clients that you're you're helping your teammates coach and how what's the best way to break through to those types of people that just feel it's too revealing of a process to go through yeah i so i completely understand that that mindset um because it's really not too dissimilar as to how i feel um personally but i think clients compare themselves to others and they may be ashamed that they're not where others are, um, you know, especially with social media and things, but I think looks can be deceiving, right? So there's no shame in asking for help. And if what you've been doing is making you feel shameful, then it sounds like you need a planner in your life more than the person who thinks that they have too much money, right? So with planning, you know, it is all about putting the client's goals first, so a designation I have is the BFA, right? Which is a behavioral financial advisor. Um, and I recommend this to any advisor. Uh, it involves understanding the client's values, which are then used to determine their goals. And then the recommendations and actions should be in alignment with all of that. Okay. The other thing I coach advisors on is to create um, you said moments. Okay. Um, and this is by asking about their goals and what's important They'll tell you what, you what they want and how they feel. So then you can refer back to these conversations when you're trying to help them. For, so for example, I'd say, Mr. And Mrs. Client, you said you wanted to make sure your family was covered if you passed. Because of this, I want us to explore life insurance. Um, or you, know, you said uh, you wanted to make sure that you're not losing pace with inflation. right? So because of this, I think blah, blah, blah makes sense for you. So yeah, I think that's how I would kind of approach those types of clients. Yeah, I, I like that. Um... So, you know, financial planning may be new for a lot of advisors, and I'm wondering how important you think earning a CFP designation is as it relates to the long-term success of planning. Yeah, so I don't have this designation currently. I am currently pursuing it, though. Um, I think it helps provide clout with, you know, some of your clients or prospects that do understand what a CFP is. Um, but I often say to newer advisors that they're not paid to have all the answers, right? They're paid to kind of find the answers. So at Mass Mutual, we have a, a case consultant unit, right? Which is basically a team of CFPs, or if they don't have it, they're actively pursuing it, um, that help the advisor with uh, the advice recommendations and creating the plans. So 
This way, advisors can focus more on their businesses and use this as a resource at their disposal. So I recommend this resource to advisors as it makes sense. So it's a little bit of outsourcing, right? Outsourcing to your internal teams so that you can get more time with your clients. Yeah, exactly. We talk about, you know, kind of time allocation and, um, you know, where you're spending your time versus what drives uh, business and client satisfaction. Cool. Um, What types of planning software are your teams using? Yeah, so there's three main ones approved at MassMutual, and that's uh, Money Guide, Right Capital, and eMoney. So, you know, this conversation has been really interesting. I love the, you know, how you tie in the behavioral aspects. Um, And you've shared so many practical pieces of wisdom for those advisors that may be listening and haven't fully leaned in to financial planning, is there anything else you can recommend that they do to make themselves just a little more comfortable with the financial planning process? Yeah, sure. So um, as I mentioned toward the beginning, I think advisors are going to move to this model out of necessity, Right, um, based on those two things with the competition regulations. But regardless of that, I think advisors should focus on the client experience. Or put yourself in their shoes. What's it? What is it like being one of your clients? What things do you want your advisor doing from you? And then how can you improve on your client's experience? So, what do clients care about most? Right, is it ten basis points of alpha, or is it you know retiring and not having to worry about going back to work? because their retirement's been carefully thought through on an ongoing basis. So I think when advisors stop working in their business and kind of start working on their business, I I truly think all signs point to an ongoing financial planning relationship as the best course of action. So one other question relates to that. Um, I know, you know, people know the value of a financial plan, but sometimes they stray. How do you coach your advisors to hold their clients accountable to the plan. Yeah, so this is where I kind of lean on the BFA, the Behavioral Financial Advisor model that I mentioned before. Um, I think it's a great framework to address this. So by creating recommendations based on that alignment model that I referred to, um, that they can refer back to the why behind the recommendations, right? Why did we recommend this certain thing? Because I think lack of accountability stems from a lack of motivation So the why I believe is really important. Um, And regularly scheduled meetings, it also helps to catch these shortfalls quickly, right? So this is where a one and done plan fails. That's like handing somebody a map and having them drive around the country for 20 or 30 years, right? Things change way too much. But what if instead we had like a Waze GPS that was constantly updating their route based on road and condition changes? Right. Plus, you also have that voice reminding you to take an exit or a turn. Right. That that to me is what modern planning should strive for. Oh, if only I could get my husband to use ways, I'd be very happy. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so, Chaz, thank you. This has been uh, wonderful. And I'm going to ask you, as we do all of our guests, to leave our listeners with some actionable ideas that they can take immediately. Now you've shown us how important holistic financial planning can be when providing value to clients and a great client experience. Uh, what one or two things would you suggest that an advisor do to make planning a larger part of their practice? Yeah. Um, 
So I, a couple of things I'd say is, is one, you know, talk to your clients, right? So reach out to your clients, maybe some, you know, your best clients or maybe even some of your lower tiered clients, but ask them, what did they look for in an advisor relationship, right? What were their expectations? And hopefully they feel comfortable enough to be honest with what they'd like to see. And then review your service model. Make sure that you're treating clients fairly, not necessarily equally, right? So stick to your principles. If somebody's paying for advice, you shouldn't be giving a non-paying client the same services for free, right? That wouldn't be necessarily fair. That's just equal. So um, I'd also encourage planners to use agendas, right? So for numerous reasons, I think it shows professionalism, um, you know, and allows the client to provide input on what they'd like to discuss so that you can be better prepared for the meeting as well. And, you know, in, in a similar vein, I'd say, send a follow-up afterwards, right? Uh, to help call the client to take action. And again, continue showing that professionalism. Yeah, those are all great client experience ideas that you hope is just kind of the normal course of business, but we need to be reminded. So I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Chaz. And for our listeners that would like to connect with you, we're going to have a link to Chaz's LinkedIn profile, but at Chaz Logue, L-O-G-U-E, uh, if you want to look him up on your own. Um, and to all of our listeners, we thank you. We're now nearly 100 episodes strong on the Flexible Advisor podcast, and we couldn't do uh, this work without the support of our listeners. So if you or somebody that you know has some insights that the advisory community could benefit from, please let us know. We're always interested in new topics to cover from a variety of advisors, industry experts like Chaz and others. And my email you can find in the show notes. And I always love hearing from our listeners. Chaz, thank you again for joining us today on The Flexible Advisor. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, Carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.